Hello, and welcome to the Changing Banking Landscape podcast, where we discuss important topics impacting the financial services sector. We unpack the elements of change and disruption, and we identify some of the pivotal decisions that face financial institutions. My name is Shelby Torrance. Today, we're exploring the good, the bad, and the ugly within the process of banking transformation. We know this is important. We get that the process leads to a more agile business. The benefits seem very clear, yet a mere 10 to 30% of banks get this right, and we want to discuss today why. Helping us today is Niels Merkadal. Niels is an associate partner and core leader at McKenzie, where he runs the company's digital practice in Asia. Niels dials in today from Singapore, where he works at driving digital organizational and technical transformation for banks. He has more than 17 years of transformation experience, and he currently leads the McKenzie Banking Technology Practice in Southeast Asia. Thank you so much for joining us today, Niels. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. We also have with us Justice Rue. Justice heads up the EMEA Solutions Engineering Team at Mambu. As a qualified charter global management accountant, Justice has over 15 years of experience within the financial services industry. He's worked across various leadership roles within management accounting, business intelligence, and fintech. Justice leads a team focused on transformation and financial businesses today. Welcome, Justice. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shelby. Great. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. I have the sense that we've been talking about banking transformation for quite a while. I would say maybe close to a decade. Do you guys have that same feeling? Justice, what do you think? Yeah, Shelby, absolutely. We will be talking and hearing about transformation for many years to come, and I would like to say even more forever. A reason for this is it, it's a continuous process. Transformation is a movement and evolution of people, process technologies, and businesses will always need to sort of innovate and adapt just to be either competitive or, or simply to survive. Now, what I do find interesting, though, is that with time, these buzzwords sort of changes. Currently, the transformation buzzwords for me is everything digital, AI as in artificial intelligence and machine learning, and uh, agile. Everybody's agile as well these days. Right. Okay, Niels, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would uh, strongly agree to that. I think actually, if you if you're just standing still, you know, you are in a path to become obsolete. So um, I would almost argue that transformation is the new norm, and you should be in a constant dynamic uh, mode of changing the way you operate, the way you deliver processes and products to your customers, and the way, most importantly, you use technology to drive those outcomes. So I think the many, many buzzwords, but uh, most importantly, it is a continuum, and it's about really focusing on learning a muscle to keep on going and not thinking about this as uh, small, time-bound exercises. Okay, that makes sense. What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions that banks, specifically thinking of the senior executives, CEOs, the boards of banks, what are the biggest misconceptions that they typically have around transformation? Niels, what are you seeing? I see a few things. One, I think it's we want to create this transformation and therefore we establish a project or a program to do so. 
and it's sort of run at the side of the business and it's not really run within the business or the tech or the ops areas. So I think for me, it's very important not to think project program. It's about really getting it embedded into the daily way of doing and executing your business. I think the second thing is about not being bold enough and, and, and really making the right steps for changing things. And I don't know, especially now we are in an age where technology is becoming significantly more adaptable, then it's the time now to make some bold moves, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Nils. I think, you know, one of the misconceptions or perspectives that people, I think, sometimes misunderstand is that, firstly, the transformation equates to just implementing a new technology. As you said, there's other aspects of that. And people like to think that, you know, technology is, is a silver bullet. I get this technology, it will solve all my problems. Uh, but technology is like only an enabler. We can't just get this technology and continue going forward using our same processes, the same thinking. As Neil said, there's a project components, there's people components that also need to continue. So, yeah, for me, silver bullet is a bit of a misconception there. Okay. So kind of tied to that transformation is not a silver bullet. And also tied to your comment that it's it's very much a continuous process. There does seem to be the perception that many projects end in failure or that they have a hard time getting results. Are there sort of a top two or three reasons that you're seeing Justice, what about you? Do you see sort of, are, are there any typical reasons that are coming to surface as reasons why these projects sometimes fail? Yeah, yeah. So as you said, uh, Shelby, you know, transformation is not a singular event. You know, it's, it's this journey that is designed to achieve high impact at two levels, which is individual and organization. Now, if I want to take, uh, you said three reasons. So let's take maybe the three is most important for me is I believe culture. Uh, secondly, uh, middle management buy-in. And maybe thirdly, it's like the scoping for disruption. Now, when I talk about number one, most important is culture. People don't like change. Financial institutions are inherently risk averse. Now, suddenly we have these two factors that leads us to ask, like, how do we get buy-in from this process? So that's one number. When it comes to sort of the second point in terms of middle management buy-in, a lot of people will ask, how is my role going to change in this organization? What's going to happen going forward? I have KPIs right now. Is this going to be aligned with this transformation objective? So there might be a lot of resistance already in that side. Number three, sort of adding to what Neil said earlier regarding project implementation, it's like this, this scoping for disruption. We will always have a business as usual. There was seldom thoughts are given that if we create this new process, you know, people that are in, a, are in an accounting department will still like to have their accounting files and not mess with their system, but you need their buy-in and their time to figure out what is best practice and how it still continues. So what we actually see quite a lot here in the MIA region is that we will have, for example, this new complete business unit created by a bank with sometimes their own culture where these goals are much more aligned to what the transformation project is supposed to deliver. For example, this big bank might be, ever, imagine an oil tanker. It needs quite difficult to steer or change, but you can sort of launch this speedboat with its own culture to achieve this objective a lot easier. So, uh, yeah, I think those are my three reasons that I can quickly think of now. Niels, are you seeing similar reasons in Asia-Pacific, or is it different? Not very similar, I would say. Um, 
and uh, in particular around the culture. I think the the other thing is the uh, the way banks are operated. We tend to see banks being very process heavy, the governance heavy. And that means you spend six months planning for what projects and activities you should be doing. Then you spend three months approving it. And then you spend uh, three months executing it. And then you repeat that cycle. And and what is the problem in that is you you try and forecast what you don't know in six, nine, 12, 18, you know, three, four years. And no one knows, not even the business knows what business requirements they need to be putting up for that. So to some degree, it's really a waste of time, but it's a comfort for many people because they're used to it. I think this whole culture notion that Just is talking about is is a significant change to that. And, you know, the buzzwords around agile, enterprise agile and all this stuff, that's trying to change that. But it's, there's enormous amount of resistance and it's uncomfortable. Exactly. Another thing I would add is I see a lack of focus on the return on the investment. And here I don't mean creating a simple business case, but I think understanding what is the value drivers that we are trying to go after to create value for our organization. So is it an increase in uh, unsecured loans? Okay, what are then the KPIs we want to measure on this? And how do we ensure our non-performing assets is not going out of whack? How do we ensure our risk models are updated? And so on and so forth. But I think it's really understanding what will create value for what we're doing and not just executing a project for the for the sake of it. That goes back to my point around this is a continuous exercise. It's not a project for one year or two years or so. And I think that's the third one. There still tends to be a massive cliff between business operations and tech. And that is a massive failure point. So I think we'll get to speak a bit more about that later. But for me, this is an area that is highly interesting to help banks uh, discuss and, and find a path forward. Yeah, that's a quite a good point there, Nils, because I think in the past, if you go to back maybe 20 years, everybody in marketing and everywhere was expected to understand what a balance sheet is and all these above the line, below the line. And now it's almost like everybody needs to know what is agile or waterfall. It's across the whole environment with this transformation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I would even go as far as say a bank is binary numbers, you know, zeros and ones ultimately. And that means you have to understand tech. Of course, you you have to understand the business processes and the business capabilities and all this stuff. But successful banks, everyone understand tech. Yeah. And that's extremely difficult to make that shift and pivot. Yeah, very good point. So it seems you you both have really emphasized culture being one of the main inhibitors of transformation. Although cultural adaptation should be sort of ground zero of, of digital transformation, it does seem that many banks lack the agility to really make the far-reaching changes in their culture or in their operations. And you touched on agile being really about not just adopting new methods, but about it being the right mindset. So we know that it's a culture. We know culture is important. We know it's a challenge. If we wanted to zone in a little bit more specifically, what are the things that you see in an organizational culture that can either enhance or block efforts to transform the bank? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, it's important the executives and leaders to recognize and try and understand what is my baseline from a cultural perspective. And I think also understand what could be these challenges in regards to making these pivots and shifts. I think you talk about the agile um it is a buzzword, and, but the thing with Agile is also it's not just a template you put down on, on an organization. You have to really think carefully 
how exactly is the structure, how is the processes, how is our you know, HR, finance, things going to change, how is our technology, how is our governance, all this stuff, how is that going to change specifically to our context, specifically to the markets where we want to make these changes? Understanding that is, for me, a very, very important exercise because only when you have your baseline, you know how to make the right choices as you progress. I think the second one is just layers of governance and management and decision cycles that are, okay, let's have a steer co in, you know, every month or every six weeks and no decisions can be made without a ghost there. And that means, you know, before you have not really moved anything in, in the two, three, four months time. So I think getting rid of all that stuff is an important element. Yeah. That was a great question, Shelby and Nils, in terms of the steer comp, because I believe we do not always delve deep enough into this. We know, again, culture can also become a buzzword. And if it's seen as an inhibitor of transformation, it means we seldom examine sort of what it looks like on the ground. And it comes back to the point that I said in terms of resistance with middle management. Culture is the way that we work together, the way we communicate, how we even grow together, and dare I say, live together because of how we work these days. But basically, what is our best practice in driving the momentum to reaching these goals, which is transformation? I believe culture is about like shaping employee perceptions, you know, the behaviors and understanding of where this organization is heading and how it's able to get there. Because any change in nature is scary and it's normally met with resistance. And uh, as Neil said, it's banking is a black and white binary, yes, no way of thinking. So I believe we need to look at how we implement this a little bit differently because we, what will often happen is we will have these organizations or these circos and we get a lot of head nods from teams and managers. But I do not always believe that this means that they understand what is the deliverables and that we actually have their buy-in. So as leaders, we need teams to be able to be transparent and not create silos. And as leaders, we need to be able to get closer to what is these resistance factors. Because the strong cultures, you know, it's a common denominator across various successful companies. Yeah, there's one particular message that we often, you know, discuss with clients. It's a very, very simple PowerPoint. And, you know, McKinsey, there'll be quite a lot of PowerPoints. But this one is quite, uh, <laughs> this one is quite simple. It's literally on a tipping scale. On the one side, you have performance. And on the other side, you have health, which is just another word for culture. But these two things have to be in balance when you drive your transformation. So one thing is, yes, you have to go after your whatever you want to go after from a performance perspective. This could be cost or revenues, capital, etc. Or, but most important, equally important, sorry, is that you actually create a very structured approach to how you think about your culture shift. So it's not about someone standing up on an empty beer box and talking to the guys, right? There's many, many things you need to do to influence people. Get to, to what you said, Just You have to get under the skin of people. You have to understand what drives people. You have to provide opportunities, most importantly, for people across the organization to shine. So I think you asked earlier, what are some of the reasons why things fail? I think they fail because organizations don't enable their people to take part of the transformation properly. And that's a tough thing again, because it comes back to how do we measure that? You said about project plans. You set up a time and says, okay, we're going to talk nicely to people so that we understand their feelings and those things. It's important, but on a project plan or on a slideware that you have there, it's not something that people are always aware of. But, and specifically, I think in terms of how 
with a lot more remote working that people has come. There's a lot more effort and emphasis that needs to be understanding in terms of are people aligned? Because we've got, instead of office silos where we had maybe separate regional offices, we have now so many different silos across where everybody sits. And this can relate to transformation because we have to work so much harder to get our message across in an understandable sort of safe way that people can challenge it and get their buy-in. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a great point. In today's world with COVID and everyone being distributed, it's even more important that you find ways to connect with your employees. And I don't think it's Zoom, MS team sessions all the time because people are, you know, one out of that now. But find ways to have meaningful notches and interactions. Small, small things make difference, big differences. Yeah, very true. I find it interesting. We've been talking about banking transformation and and neither of you have talked about technology. It sounds very much like it is about the people, about the culture, and not necessarily about the the solution that you put in place. Yeah. The thing I would say with that is I think now is the time when technology is sort of ready to enable more radical shifts for the uh, banking institutions or financial institutions. Before, it was a bit more that evolutionary change and improvement, etc. But now I think you have new, very sophisticated technologies out there that can truly help you reinvent the way you deliver your products and services to your customers, the way you think about your risk and credit, the way you think about your operations. So now is the time because these technologies are proven, they're secure, they have you know, been been tested in different variances, and it's time to move from this sort of POC MVP state to actually doing something at scale. So I don't know what you say, Justice, but I think the next five, six years is going to be exciting, very, very exciting from a tech transformation perspective. It is, because I, th- I think the one thing that I always love about the financial industry uh, is that a lot of the jobs that are there now, I'm thinking of AI, BI, solution engineering even, some of these things didn't exist 10, 15, 20 years ago. However, we are dealing with organizations that are sometimes 100, 150 years old, specifically in Europe. So the change is happening. The technology is there. But I believe always technology is an enabler. People need to be able, have become a lot more agile in their lifestyles and the way that they look at their careers, the way that they look at their future plans, that everything is more transformative, even on a day-to-day work. So yeah, Niels, I agree with you quite a lot today in terms of the the fact that it is a really exciting stuff because we have absolutely no idea, specifically if we think of open banking and other things coming, of what financial products might look like in the next five to 15 years. Agree. I would almost think that the way we know it today, if not completely that, if we merged into some broader ecosystem, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, getting that best for purpose, fit for purpose environment. So again, enabling people to be able to sort of architect or be able to be creative if we want to build these products going downstream. Yeah, and that's exactly, I mean, that that for me is one of the biggest challenges. I think this is not just Asia, this is a global challenge. As banks move into that direction, they essentially become tech companies and that requires really high-end tech talent. And uh, luckily, we have had Google and Facebook and others educating a bunch of those, but uh, we are still in significant shortage to make these transformations. So I think that's a, an area I would really put an effort on if I was uh, an executive in bank today, is to get the right tech talent in, build up the right tech talent, have internal coding academies, upskilling academies, making sure my 
engineers have a career path that is not going to become a middle manager because they don't want to do that. Creating space for innovation, as you said. I see very few balanced scorecards that has a KPI that says, my 1,000 employees have actually spent two days every quarter on innovative stuff. Yeah, yeah, very true on that. So given the challenges, what, what message would you leave with banks? What's your message to banks who are struggling with transformation now? Whether they're just getting started or they're not sure where to go from here, what message would you give to them? From my side, I'd say that, you know, we said here change is inevitable. That transformation will either happen to you or it will happen by you. If we are struggling or we don't see any progress, we maybe need to ask ourselves, uh, how am I future-proofing my organization? And because transformation deals with people and culture, we might ask employees in terms of how am I future-proofing my career? And this is sort of when we can think in terms of investing in researching what are these methodologies that work for us in terms of building the organization, but also what is the technology that we're working for? We've got these fit-for-purpose software where people focus on a specific component in a banking ecosystem from maybe onboarding to loan management, et cetera, or payments. But if you're investing in an API-driven cloud environment, you know, you're already future-proofing yourself in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Now, if we come back to skills development, you know, I made the comment earlier that everybody knows about accounting terms across the business, ideally, budgeting and those things, but they need to know about API, waterfall, cloud adaptation, security protocols. These things are, again, means that we need to skill up our workforce in a way that we're skilling up our business. I think on a high level, this maybe where I'd like to say focus on for managers that are struggling because you might plant the seed, build the foundations. You know, if you're happy with those foundations, it'll be much easier to grow either the tree or build the building if that is enough solid. I believe that's where people should focus at that present. Niels, anything you would add to that? Great points. I think regardless where you know the organization is in the journey, I would actually stop up and ask, do I, am I running my transformation as a project program or actually running it as an, a true change of my business? And if it's not the latter, then I would find a way to move in that direction because I think that's the only really way you get the value. The second part is for people that are about to start off or want to start something new, like start small, learn fast, but be sure you do something truly different. Don't just go out and do something that you already are doing and then, you know, fine-tune it a bit. We have been through the whole lean decade, so there's no need <laughs> to do that anymore. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I'll just reinforce the whole tech thing. If you're not paying one or two engineers in your organization as much as you're paying your head of risk, then <laughs> you better start finding them. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today and sharing your perspectives. My name is Shelby Torrance. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Remember to visit our official podcast page, podcast.mambu.com. And please do join in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts and comments on transformation. Feel free to also subscribe so that we can let you know about the next episode. Thank you. 